Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast Edification and Wellbeing. This is your host, uh, Juan Baez. Um, a few things before I, I uh, introduce my, my uh, uh, I would say, co-host uh, or, or, or collaborator in this episode. Um, I'm going bilingual with the podcast. Uh, I, I've made the decision that if I speak two languages, then also my podcast. And, and also information should not be restricted to one specific language. Uh, one of the reasons is that I, I can have more reach in terms of research, in terms of, of interviews uh, for the podcast and then for reference for, for my book. Um, and also because uh, as I was, a while ago I was reading about, well, perception and, and, and how we perceive things depending on, on our point of reference. Uh, and language being one of these points of references then, uh, uh, and, and the, what I was reading, what I was reading was mentioning that, well, um, we think differently when we speak a different language, right? We don't have necessarily the same uh, connotations when we mention something or the same meaning or the same, uh, uh, um, I'd say, but yeah, let's just leave it at that, meaning and connotation or definition of things. Um, I speak Spanish. That's my, my, my native language. I'm from Puerto Rico, uh, but I also feel, uh, speak English. And I think I should exploit that more in the podcast. So I will be... Um, creating a, uh, a, a a new format, let's say, in which um, there's, again, two episodes a, a per month, but um, I, I haven't decided yet. Maybe one episode will be English and one episode will be in Spanish. Uh, there, there will not necessarily be on the same topics, or even if it's in the same topics, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be discussing it in the same way in both languages, right? Depending if I'm if I'm interviewing someone from Spain or for Puerto Rico, from Puerto Rico for that matter, uh, the way they will see health, fitness, physical education will depend on their point of view according to their experiences, and well, uh, I cannot promise that it will be exactly the same. However, there will be some times in which if there is no, uh, um, if I have nobody to, to, to interview or to chat with in the podcast, uh, then I will, uh, uh, whatever notes that I create that I want to discuss uh, my, uh, on my own in the podcast, then I would translate them and put them in Spanish. That's one way, right? Two episodes a month, one in English, one in Spanish, or leave two episodes a month in English, which is what I've been doing, and one uh, uh, at the beginning, maybe one a month uh, um, in Spanish. Um, or whenever I have some material that I want to share in Spanish, uh, or whenever I have an interview that I want to share in Spanish, then I will post it, but it, it wouldn't be a constant uh, thing. Um, uh, you know, depending on, on, and it'll depend on the amount of, 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 of material and, and, and interviews and, and things that I have to find. But I do have a lot of things to say in Spanish. And if you are a Spanish speaking person, uh, speaking person, then you might find, you may find uh, value in both English because I discuss and, and in Spanish, because as I said, things will be discussed differently. Even if it's the same topic, I could be talking about perception. For example, if I mentioned at the beginning a minute ago, uh, uh, and I could be talking with someone or I could be discussing a research paper 
that I found and 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 written in Spanish, and it will be written differently, and the points of reference will be differently, and the resources and sources and and references will be differently. So uh, uh, I think there will be value in in both. I haven't decided yet, so whenever whenever I decide, and I will let you know which format will be. Um, I already have a list of people that I'll be contacting. Uh, professors of mine from university, uh, uh, one of uh, one special, uh, specifically one of them who is my, my I would say my mentor uh, in in the concept of physical education. He has a, a PhD from uh, uh, and, and I, I think in physical education. Uh, and uh, my physical education teacher from. Uh, high school, a uh, couple friends of mine who I used to work with at gyms uh, uh, to talk about their, their, their experiences and their views and, 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 and approaches to, to health, fitness, wellness and whatnot, even though some of them we disagree in, in the approach we have, but nonetheless, it would be very interesting and fascinating and important to have the conversations, uh, those conversations in Spanish. Um, and I have, I've had two people that have already been in the podcast, uh, um, uh, Liliana Pickens, a good friend of mine and running coach. We already had an episode here. Um, and, and Dr. Mayra Oyola, which is uh, the, um, atmosphere, atmospheric, uh, physicist who they both speak Spanish and they both agreed that, uh, we will do a, uh, an episode in Spanish. So, and again, if you're a Spanish speaking person, then you will enjoy it because we're not necessarily going on the same line or even in the same line, things will be explained differently. And we may tangentially speak differently uh, in, in that language. So <clears throat> stay tuned. Uh, let's, let's, let's do that. And I mean, if I could learn, learn French, uh, I would add another episode in French. I think it would be very fascinating and again, more reach for me and, 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 and expanding of my mentality and also if you know for you guys who listen to this expansion of of perception and mentality and and and, and uh, mental uh, boundaries i would say um so that's it for for the new format um so uh, before i continue thank you again for listening uh those of you who have been listening um, uh, share this with your friends and family, keep participating. Uh, please let me know about you. Send me an email, send me a message, leave me a review on, on Apple podcasts. Um, if you are, as I've been saying, a professional or, or a scholar in, uh, in the aspects of, uh, health, uh, wellness, fitness, physical education, sports, um, let's say psychology, neurology, uh, medicine in general that is that, and, and, and learning and education, uh, contact me. I will have all of my contact information at the bottom in the description of this episode as, as I do in every other episode. Um, and, and we'll have a conversation. And hey, even now, now even more, we can talk in Spanish and English or even Spanglish if you want, right? That was a lame joke, but uh, there we go. Uh, so today's... Uh, uh, I would say co-host. It would be uh, it is Dr. Lauren Lauren Hodges. Um, I met her th through email uh, 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 through a, a mutual friend, uh, the running coach Lilina Pickens, who already been in this podcast. Um, and Lauren Hodges is uh, a, has a PhD in education and, and experiential learning. Uh, she has a master in writing and, and creative journalism. Um, she's a certified strength and conditioning coach from NSCA. She also 
has a certification in nutrition from uh, uh, the, the the renowned uh, Precision Nutrition from Dr. John Berardi in Canada. In Canada, uh, she's the founder of uh, she was the founder of the Central Florida Wellness Council. And she has she has a few businesses. Uh, she owns her own. She's uh, Dr. Lauren Hodges uh, Consulting. She consults uh, um, uh, in, in, in the aspects of education with the education department and, and private entities and also corporate at the corporate level as um, uh, as a health, fitness and wellness and, and motivation uh, coach. And she's also co-founder. Uh, and chief creative officer of uh, Grasshopper Training. I think she works that with a, uh, a business partner who is a, I think, uh, a sports psychologist, and they, we, they work in, in aspects of training and wellness and all that. But I think from a different approach. Um, but anyways, um, and she also has another business that is called Teach Well, and Teach Well is a a company that that helps and helps teachers. Uh, in, in any type of school or, 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 or any type of, of uh, institution, uh, help teacher teachers uh, find balance in their life. Uh, I was a teacher. I know how hectic of a life teachers have. We have no life, or at least when I was a teacher, I had no life. Or I was just going to school, waking up early, being uh, at the first hour in the morning in school, uh, going to meetings or whatnot, dealing with our students, going about our classes, going back home, planning, grading, and it was so a, a constant, uh, 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 non-stop, no, no breathing type of job. Uh, so they find what they do at Teach Well is they find. Um, help teachers find strategies uh, of, of well wellness and health and and also on the professional aspect and how to balance their life with their with their professional life with their uh, private lives um, and they've had uh, pretty pretty uh, good results in that so far so it's a great job um, today we are talking about many things as, as we do with the podcast uh, we sort of tangentially speak However, um, we're, talk, we're, we're um, touching the topics of learning and exper experiential learning and education, and uh, we're talking about fitness and health. We talk about nutrition. Um, we talk about healthness. We talk about uh, teaching and free-range kids and, you know, and, and sort of let, letting our kids play uh, freely without helicopter parenting, uh, which I'm going to make a parenthesis here. I will be interviewing... Uh, 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 a person who who runs a nonprofit organization dedicated to that to help uh, educate parents and educate teachers and educate uh, even kids on the importance of letting our kids grow freely without being home all day you know letting them go out play play you know letting them go take the trash out without being behind them scanning every single move they do but that more on that later uh, but we talk about that, and we talk about what I do at Teach Well, and we also talk about, although we don't mention it specifically, but perception. We talk. Uh, this is something that I've, uh, I, I've spoken about here in the podcast, and how the perception that we've created of health and fitness have uh, somewhat uh, distorted the 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 or derailed the the, the 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 train as far as the meaning of of, of it. Of health, fitness, wellness, education, learning, and all that uh, concerns. So here is our conversation with, uh, or my conversation with Dr. Lauren Hodges. No music today. Um, 
perhaps later on. Uh, you just if you like it, uh, you want me to play music either either at the beginning or at the end of a podcast. Just let me know. Again, send me an email. Um, I, I need to know what you think about this. Um, and also, uh, if you find this podcast valuable, please consider uh, uh, donations to the podcast. There is a link for that for my um, uh, anchor.com uh, uh, website uh, or anchor.fm website in which you will see the option. And I will be opening, that's kind of like a continuous type of, of donation. And I will be opening a PayPal for, you know, like one-time donations and whatnot. And um, also, I've been uh, mentioning donations don't necessarily have to be uh, monetary. If you are one of these people who are a scholar or a researcher or a professional in one of those fields that I mentioned a few minutes ago, education, health, fitness, psychology, neurology, uh, anthropology, whatnot, and you have research papers that you can share with me, then, you know, shoot me an email. Let me know, uh, you know, put in the topic, uh, you know, uh, sharing research paper and your name. And I will, I will, you know, I'll give you a shout out here in the podcast um, and, 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 and c- contact you. So uh, to see if we can, if we can have a conversation and talk about your job and, and, and what you do and, and how it relates to the concepts of wellness and, 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 and learning and health in general. So you know, not necessarily monetary research is important, and I'm I'm always researching for my book. Uh, there's plenty of job for me to do, so or work for me to do and and to find. So you know, anything you can share will have, or anything you can donate, whether it is one dollar a month or whether it is a, a research paper that you found very interesting about. I don't know, let's say the the biological implications of fitness uh, and, and in kids, then um, uh, it would be of great value. Okay. So without further ado, uh, my conversation here with Dr. Lauren Hodges. Hope you enjoy it. I found it very fascinating. Very, uh, She's a very eloquent, very professional uh, uh, person. And uh, in the future, we will have a, a, another uh, a conversation. I had a list, a list of uh, questions and there was, uh, there was little time. But anyways, I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, share this with your friends and family. Every topic that I have here in the podcast, discuss it with your friends, with your families, or think about it and ask me questions. I will be adding then a session, later a session also of Q&As, but more of that later. All right. So quickly, reminder, we're going uh, bilingual, Spanish and English, possible Q&A, and enjoy this conversation with Dr. Lauren Hodges. Talk to you soon. Boom. Okay, Lauren. Hey, Juan, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your time. And hey, it's nice to put a voice to the to the email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, real quick, uh, just as a, a reminder, this is an open podcast, just like with, I've mentioned before, right? Uh, uh-huh. The idea here is not necessarily to debate on anything, although we can disagree on things, but it's to explore. Um, and in, in, in the case of the conversation with you, well, you have a, a, a studies and, and experience in education, in corporate wellness, corporate fitness, and all of that, those things. And I want to uh, dig a little deeper into those things. What are your views? What's your philosophy? What, what do you think is wrong? What do you think is right? What you think should be done, et cetera? Yeah, that would be great. Sounds good. 
Yep. And hey, it maybe um, it's happened, for example, in my my conversation with, with our mutual friend, Liliana. I mean, we mm -hmm. started talking about, I don't know, running, for example, and we stayed there for you know, a long amount of minutes. So there's no specific amount of time for each topic. We can tangentially speak. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't really matter because that's okay. that's part of what I'm looking for to get sort of like the essence of, of each person. And if I restrict that to a script, then it wouldn't work well. Yeah, for sure. It's very restrictive, right? Yeah. And that, that's that's part of the reason of this podcast to to explore that and to to be as open as possible. And it's because I've listened to other podcasts and, you know, you're, in my case, when I started the podcast um, and just like when almost everybody starts something, you start looking for information, how to do this, how to do that. Mm -hmm. And then there was always this, uh, this recommendation of create a, a script or stay in this uh, specific topic. Or if, if in my case, for example, if you're in the topics of physical education, then stay on physical education, but physical education has a lot has to do with many more things than just the concept of physical education. Right. right. You know, psychology is there. Learning is there. Sociology is there. Um, and I, I don't want to uh, restrict. So no scripts. All right. <laughs> I like it. Sounds okay. Good. Yeah. Easy. And then, yeah, it, it's just like a, like a casual conversation. Okay. And uh, what I'm going to do is uh, since we have to uh, cut it out in around an hour or so, mm -hmm. I, We'll skip an introduction, and what I'm going to do is I will just record an, an introduction for you and just uh, add that to the episode uh, okay. so that people can uh, know what you do. But um, Lauren Hodges, again, thank you for, for being here. Um, so I was, I was looking at your LinkedIn, and you have like 30 doctor uh, degrees and masters and... <laughs> Uh, a bunch of you've been all over the place and that's and that's that's awesome and that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk to you because you have that you know advanced formal education in the fundamentals of things um yeah, yeah. Uh, rather allegedly. than just <laughs> I'm sorry I said allegedly <laughs> allegedly yeah <laughs> well ho hopefully you didn't pay for it I mean you paid for it but you didn't bribe anybody for it yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, I paid for it. <laughs> oh, definitely. No, I'm still paying for my education. I'm already done. So <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm I'm gonna ever stop paying for it, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So you have a doctorate in education and experiential uh, experiential learning. Yes. Uh, yeah. What is how how would you define experiential learning? Um, so the doctor is in I formally the, the the route is called curriculum and instruction at UCF and um, okay the route that I decided to take was alternative learning methodology educational psychology and then experiential learning and the focus specifically gets a little bit boring but it was the I love boring no oh, good <laughs> yeah no worries uh, I'm, I'm the kind of person who literally sit down. I sit down almost every week and I found a, I, I always find a new research paper. One of those <laughs> that are very boring, but I and I read it all. Oh, but I me think too. that me too. yeah, but I think that's that's how you really get the learning. If it's easy to read and, and you you don't challenge yourself, and that there's no actual learning, Absolutely. or at least very little. For sure, yeah. And you know, when I when I went to get the doctorate, um, my primary intention was to learn about how people learn best practices for how people learn 
mm-hmm. know, in every, every stage of life, but predominantly for me, the focus was adult education and higher ed. Okay. So, um, my thesis was on the effects of service learning on knowledge retention. Oh, and so, good. yeah, it was a qualitative study. It was a case study. I did it on a couple of um, undergraduate and graduate creative writing students at the University of Central Florida. And, you know, uh, the thesis, or excuse me, the hypothesis was supported that when you're in a service learning setting and you're teaching the content that you're learning back to someone else with a service um, component to it. You're serving people who are less fortunate than you or in, in some capacity need, need the, the help. Um, you're going to much more likely retain the knowledge that you're learning as opposed to some sort of formal instruction. So okay. I kind of already knew the answer. It was just that it had never been questions in the creative writing field and we were trying to create more of a call for creating service learning as a more uh, available option for graduate students to pursue and so that's why I ended up doing it in that way but at my master's is in creative is in uh, writing creative writing and more specifically creative journalism so I was already in school for that. I was teaching at the college level at that time. So it kind of made sense to me. Had nothing to do with health, fitness, and well-being. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but it has to do with, with um, I have a, a, a sort of a, a hypothesis. I, I, I'm working on part of the book that I mentioned in the email mm-hmm. is um, what, I, what I call organismic physical education, right? And is this uh, the, the capacity of each organism to learn how to interact with the environment to the maximum extent of their capabilities. Mm-hmm. And well, for example, right, things like uh, whatever type of learning, whether it is uh, writing, whether it is reading, whether it, whatever it is that helps you uh, create new knowledge to interact with society and with the environment and well first and foremost to to improve and function properly as an individual mm-hmm. then it's physical education because you're to to a great extent you are teaching your body how to do things whether it is cognitively or intellectually or or physically like creating new neurons and and mm-hmm. creating new uh, neural pathways etc yeah um, yeah and, and that's something that every single organism, I've, I've, uh, I've been doing plenty of research for that and reading about biology, for example. Mm-hmm. And the same thing applies for bees and wasps and bacteria or dogs. Yeah, absolutely. And we all learn really relatively similarly. I think definitely that the content in the education world translates to the well-being world really easily and vice versa you know I mm-hmm. mean I, I never thought that I would apply so much of what I learned in the doctoral program into the fitness world and then the other way around I never really um, I think I underestimated the amount I was learning in the health fitness world that I could mm-hmm. apply then to my work today um, so yeah, I think it's very, very, it's very important. And and one of the things I took away from graduate school that is probably the most valuable thing is how to do research and how mm-hmm. to discern good research from poor research. And gosh, that was probably the most valuable thing I could have done because I feel like that is a very, it's a skill that's lacking in the health and wellness world significantly. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I studied education too, not at the level that you have, but I, um, when I was doing my bachelor's in, in 
university. Well, we had to take uh, writing, and uh, within writing, we had uh, uh, a subtopic of journalism, uh, investigative mm-hmm. investigative journalism. You know, in, in a sense that you have to, you know, find a good source and and prove that the source is a good one, um, and you know, ask the correct questions that are that mm-hmm. go along with what you're looking for. And then we also did research. There was a whole class for research, uh, yeah. and they thought out of cross-reference and, you know, always trying to, not necessarily trying to find ways to validate your points, but also try to go against your point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and and I've, I've had arguments with trainers, for example. That's that's one thing I, I argue a lot against, you know, I would say weekend certifications in, in the fitness mm-hmm. and world. Um, <laughs> as an example, I used to work at this place here in uh, Winter Haven. Um, and we've had every Monday we had meetings, right? And one of the things that was were required for each one of the trainers was to find some sort of information to share it with the, with the rest of the team. And I always came up with textbook references and research and, and, and peer reviewed papers. And I would say 90% of, of, of the people there were looking, were coming with just magazines, you know, like men's health or women's health or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I was always arguing that it's it's not necessarily good information because, you know, whatever, let's say Gillian Michaels came up with an article about how crunches are the best exercise to fix the back pain. <laughs> yeah. And it's not necessarily like that. Um, and, but it, uh, somewhat under favor, most of them were, again, weekend certified trainers. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always arguing that that's what that's I, 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 I think from there, I, I started falling in love with the idea of reading the boring stuff. That was, I said, I love boring. Um, I was reading <laughs> the other day. Uh, I was reading the other day about the adaptability, the biological adaptability uh, of the human body. Right. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in different environments. Yeah. And it was extremely boring as in I literally sat down on Saturday with a glass of whiskey and I'm like, all right, this is going to take the whole, the whole day. <laughs> I took notes and whatnot. But then I at the end of that, I had a better understanding of how the human body adapts to different environments and situations and socially and emotionally and, and culturally. Yeah, it, that's huge. What a valuable resource. Exactly, and then of course, uh, how uh, finding me finding ways how to uh, uh, on how to apply that knowledge towards my approach of physical education and how to help my clients understand these things or my students. Right, absolutely. You know, and and one of the things I think I think is lacking from weekend certification type. Yeah, I get I get where you're coming from. Like, you, it's sad that you can go online and get and get trained to put people's bodies in in your hands Mm -hmm. over the weekend um but one of the things i think is lacking in a lot of different fields and professions and i think predominantly in the health and wellness field is this mindset and i don't know if this is nature versus nurture but i do think that going through schooling and a formal training it it trains your brain to question everything Mm -hmm. look for things that contradict your opinion you're not once you understand what confirmation bias is, for example, then you are well aware that you could perhaps not be correct. Exactly. <laughs> and, and also one of the biggest elements I think I take away from 
just learning the, the skill of conducting research is that nothing is binary. Nothing. Yeah. Um, nothing is black and white, not even research. You're looking for exactly. correlations and consistencies and occasionally you get lucky and you find a causational study, for example. But I think that's one thing that's difficult for a lot of people who are either new to the field or like you said, just don't have the proper training to really open their eyes to. And so then you get this mixed bag of trainers who some of them are dead set in their way. They believe that this is the only way to train a person or this is the only way to get someone to lose weight. And, you know, I heard in the gym this morning, I was lifting weights near uh, a trainer there. She's a little bit younger. And I heard her clients say, I keep craving chocolate. Okay. And she said, well, it's definitely a magnesium deficiency. Start taking magnesium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're going to kill her for magnesium. And, you know, it's this. And I, in fact, you know what? I was just in Miami yesterday talking to a group of people down there, a client that I go see quarterly. And we talk about nutrition, but I always, obviously always expand that topic because it's, it's so multidimensional. And um, anyway, we talked about um, what it really means, all the different players in weight loss and, you know, what, what the topic of the, the conversation was called energy in, energy out and what it really means, energy out and what it really means, energy in and my intention of that talk was to expand their mind. It's not black and white. And um, I just talked to that trainer this morning, but you know, not yeah. my place. So, um, so anyway, you know, I, I'm totally there with you. I think that was probably the most valuable thing I ever got from graduate school. And also I think some of that to a degree is learning from my own mistakes and having good mentors along the way to help me realize that. Definitely. Like, yeah, lifelong learning is everything, you know. I, I think that one of the biggest issues with the, I would say with almost everything, um, one is popular culture. Um, and, and and another one is this approach of, I would say, I don't know how to, I'm, I'm thinking in Spanish here and trying to translate, uh, <laughs> reductionist approach. Like, for example, you mentioned weight loss and there's this, you know, this tribe of people who believe that weight loss is the only way to fix every single issue that every people have in their life yeah um and that's something that i have constantly battled with even with client because the, the, the one of the things is that that permeates to uh, into clientele to into the regular population and they believe that and i've had clients uh, even even me always try to direct them to my website and hey read first you know my introduction and how i work and whatnot I'm, i clearly say that i don't work with diets and i am not a weight loss type of person mm -hmm. um, they always come with yes but i want to lose weight i need to lose weight this is what i need mm. and even presenting them with uh, a facts actual facts about hey perhaps you don't need weight loss for example a client of mine a former client of mine had lower back issues recently recently i'm sorry and he's a runner and he was looking for to for a way to improve his running and he always believed that his weight was the problem and when when i assessed him i didn't do any traditional uh, fitness assessment i am i, I eliminated that completely from my from my repertoire of, of things to do 
I just wanted to see how he run and how he moves. <laughs> yeah. What, what I concluded what it was extreme tightness in the hips and literally in, let's say one or two sessions, we did myofascial release and we did some sort of mobility type of, of workout and his running improved yet he still wanted to lose weight because that was the, <laughs> the, the actual solution. I was just, according to him, I was just providing a bandaid <clears throat> when, mm. when it was the way around. Well, you know, it's that if then mentality, if I can get there, then I'll be happy, you know, and it's, it's a, it permeates our entire culture, I think, but it also speaks to the quick fix, um, you know, fixation we have on meeting certain expectations or standards without, and, and always living in the future or the past, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like that's a lot of my clients are the same way. If only I could get to X, Y, Z, then I, uh, then I could start off on my dreams and goals. And, um, you know, you bring up a great point and I, I, you just made me think of this yesterday with, uh, with this group I was speaking to in Miami, there's afterward, I open up some time for some one-on-one time and a girl, a young lady, I should say sat back and uh, talked to me for about 15 minutes. She needed some help, she said, with weight loss. Well, she was in her young 20s, and um, her name was Isabella, and she was from Venezuela. Oh, okay. um, Okay, so she she fleed the country. She got out on a student visa and went to school in Savannah, Georgia a couple years ago. Her family was facing a food shortage there, still is, her family that's still there. And, you know, this whole concept of eat till you're full, gluttonous, over-portioned American food was foreign Mm. to her when she moved here. And um, when she first moved here, she ballooned up maybe 30 pounds. She Mm. couldn't leave food on her plate. It, It, like, literally put her into a depression to leave food on her plate when her family was back home hungry. Ah. <clears throat> Can you believe that? And my heart broke for her. So she's sitting here asking strategies and weight loss. And what we decided as we talked through everything was we need to back up and work on her relationship with food and with exactly. herself and get her right with herself. So I had her um buy a couple of books one is the power of habit which is a phenomenal book um charles duvig and um and another one was um the biology of beliefs and you know just having her go over and kind of mull over um building awareness in the moment of when she starts to feel like a craving for something or feel as if she needs to finish a plate of food and stop in that moment and get out of the kind of mode she's in and take a 30,000 foot view on herself and her thoughts and work through them. And she's like, Oh my gosh, my therapist told me the same thing. (laughs) And I said, you know, the reason is this, it's not the weight loss we need to focus on. It's not the food. That's the problem. Exactly. Um, What's her mentality towards it? It's your mentality. I like having, having, I would say us professionals or people that have studied these things been saying that for, I would say decades, you know, like uh, (laughs) 
for example, when it comes to eating, eat mostly vegetables, eat, you know, whatever you want. I would say like Michael Pollan would say, you know, uh, uh, eat whatever you want, mostly vegetable, try to cook it yourself and, you know, be, be respectful with food and also enjoy life to a certain uh, extent, but don't abuse. And same thing mm -hmm. with physical activity, right? There's no, it is not that you have to do yoga or that you have to do CrossFit or that you have to do functional patterns or whatever it is that you uh, get a good relationship with physical activity in general. Um, and, 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 and don't overdo it and don't underdo it. Mm -hmm. But so, that's well, hard for people. That's not binary. <laughs> exactly. It, well, I, mean, I, mean, I was uh, consulting a friend of mine. Uh, he lives in Puerto Rico and he wanted, uh, I do online training, right? And he, he was asking about the services and whatnot. And, he he felt like he needed someone with him mm. um but i said well i can't be with you man i'm, I'm in florida um and even even if i was there what makes you think that being with me there is going to be the solution um or what makes you think that because we were going to be what one hour a day or three days a week because i i charge x amount are you able to pay that let's start with that and what makes you think that the time that you're not with me, then you're going to be doing whatever it is required to do. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, oh, man, you put me to think, you mother F. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but, and that's, that's where I come to, where I, where I come back to the learning aspect. One of the things that I've been, uh, I would say, thinking a lot and reading a lot about is learning and the importance of learning uh, when it comes to motivation. And I, I, I think that I believe, I truly believe that once you know more about the fundamentals of something, then more mo you will have much more motivation because it'll be easier for you to connect the dots. Right, um, right. Like, for example, in exercising, let's just say that you think that you got to do CrossFit, right? Uh, but CrossFit doesn't does not teach you the fundamentals of human movement. It teaches you the fundamentals of CrossFit. Um, and maybe much more maybe you don't need much more muscle maybe you, ju you just need a little more mobility or maybe you just need a little more flexibility maybe you don't even need more much more muscle or mobility or flexibility maybe you just need uh just be more physically active more engaged and more in the moment you know and and, and aware of how your body feels mm -hmm. uh, so i'm always telling clients or people hey read like literally read textbooks you want to learn exercise buy a buy exercise for dummies it doesn't really matter but don't go for a specific <laughs> method because the method will pull towards its own side will say well this is my each method is just like planets you know they have their own gravitational pull <laughs> and they will pull you mm -hmm. towards there to trying to avoid that you look around to see what's what else is out there yeah yeah and you know what you're doing with your clients is cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. And they don't like that. Oh, it hurts. So you're going to resist. It hurts. Yeah, it will hurt. It's forced growth. And a lot of people don't, don't like it. And they don't want, they resist it quite a bit. And I told the group yesterday, for example, I tell them this every time I see them, you can't go back from what you just heard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the next time you read uh, an article on keto or you read an article on whatever extreme or elimination diet is next in 2019, you can't go back from the understanding that the reason they work is energy in, energy out. Mm -hmm. And you can't go back from understanding that 
you know, for example, it's not hypothyroidism that's causing you your metabolism or you to gain weight. It's your thyroid levels affect on the ability to produce more energy out. Mm -hmm. That's a controllable issue. You can solve that. You know, you can't just throw your hands up and say, oh, well, I have a thyroid issue. When you understand that it's the thyroid issue is simply affecting the amount of uh, energy you put out and you can counterbalance that through diet and exercise and it's going to be okay. I mean, for the most part, you know, there's, there's exceptions to that rule, but you know what, and, and, and it creates what I'm hoping to create every time I go talk to a group is cognitive dissonance. I want to disrupt their thinking patterns so that they're a little bit more open to, oh, there might be more to the story than the quick fix that I'm seeking. That's never going to work. Sustainability, sustainability wise, it's never going to last, you know, whatever it is, it's not just eating, it's thinking patterns and it's leadership development and it's, it's, it's everything. It's all areas of our life. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's everything. uh, I think that, in the end, every single issue that every person has, I mean, I would say, just like you said, there is exception to that. But when it comes to, you know, being more physically active or to eating or to learning something new, uh, the, the the issue is not necessarily the lack of that. Like, for example, be, not being more sick, more physically active is not necessarily the lack of physical activity. It is something else that is holding you back. It is something else that is keeping you in a chair maybe it's netflix you know mm-hmm. uh, or, or maybe it's anxiety a certain anxiety maybe you don't want to go out exercise because when you were maybe subconscious right maybe you had an uh, a traumatic event when you were running when you were younger and someone tried to grab you and that holds you back from exercising um mm-hmm. and i'm always asking my clients that like what is how do you feel when i ask uh let's say you know let's go go out for a run or go out for a swim or uh, maybe uh, these exercise versus these other exercise. For example, I had a, um, years ago, I had a girlfriend who didn't like push-ups, And mm-hmm. I was always, I, I, I like push-ups. I don't do push-ups every day, but I think it's a, it's a great strength, general strength type of exercise. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, and we were, we started discussing it. And I was like, but how is it possible that you don't like it? I, I, I really want to understand. I'm not judging. I just want to understand. And what happened that he, she had a traumatic event with that. Not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, she was part of the ROTC in the University of Puerto Rico. And the exercise that they did every single day to a freaking boring point was push-ups. Mm-hmm. So it was not her not being able to actually do a push-up. It was that event that created, you know, what was holding her back or the memory of that what was holding her back from doing push-ups. And uh, I like it. And um, I've had clients that, for example, they when I mention those things, they're like, "No, no, no! I'll, I'll forget about that. I don't have time to learn. I don't have time to go back in my mind and find what's what's messing me up." And I'm like, "Well, sorry. <laughs> if you want me to get you healthier, then you you will need. We need to know what's messing <laughs> you up, right? We don't. You don't start it, with any individual. You don't start from a blank blank uh, canvas. There is something there. There was something there before." Um, and, and I, I think there's one of the biggest issues with, with, uh, learning in general. Um, but again, I, I, I'm always thinking that like the more you learn about something, the fundamentals of something, the more motivation you have, even, even, uh, uh, physics, like I, I'm a fan of physics. I like physics, 
Um, and to a certain point, physical education has to do with physics, right? Because we, we exist as humans in a physical world. And so far, we don't know anybody who doesn't have a body. <laughs> who, can tell us about that, who can tell us about that experience? So if we exist in this physical world, then we have to abide to the laws of physics of this planet. Um, yeah, so, yeah. for example, learning about posture uh, of, uh, or, or how to improve upon the posture of my clients and even my own and, and body alignments, uh, then you have to read about biomechanics, right? The, the importance of the alignment of the joints and things like that and how gravity affects. So that's, that's physics. Uh, and at the beginning, it was very, it was very boring. Um, it was very, I would say, mentally challenging and, and, and daunting and frustrating because I had to learn to relearn and forget whatever it is that I thought I knew. <laughs> but then yeah. now to the point that when I assess a client or when, even when I assess myself and I'm constantly doing that, even in a qualitative, qualitative uh, uh, manner, it's so easy for me to see what's the issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, and also to find motivation to do that. And, and I think it's I think it's a skill to develop as a professional is the skill of curiosity, you know, and and also uh, the humility element of I don't know everything and that's okay. Yeah. And I'll find out, you know. But you're dead on. I mean, I wish that there was more fitness professionals like yourself out there yeah. who would well, take it upon themselves to do mm -hmm. this. Otherwise, we need to regulate and license this industry at some point because we're going to hurt people. You know, we already. Have. Yeah. Well, there, there's there is a couple people that I follow that they're they're doing that. Like there's uh, uh, this guy. He started in Seattle. He's now in Hawaii. Now the Aguilar with with functional patterns. Um, and I mentioned him a lot. He has a book called The Power of Posture. And mm -hmm. he integrates fundamental movement patterns, like locomotive patterns of, of, of in, in biomechanics applied to human movement. And he combines that with myofascial uh, release and strengthening uh, to the point that he's helping clients, let's say, with uh, severe scoliosis. And he is getting their spine straight, you know, and these people are walking again. Um, and he's getting people who've had, you know, very, I would say, hardcore car accidents, not being able to walk and they're walking again. Um, and this is something that I've done too, you know, but it takes time and it takes, and it takes learning from the client too. It's not like, Hey, you came here and I'm going to snap my fingers and you got magically, <laughs> um, <laughs> got your, your, your results. And it's also helping the client understand that maybe the results that you're trying to look for is not necessarily what you're what you really need for you to function properly. Uh, yeah, but I'm being I, open to that. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's not just him. There is many other people that I follow, and and uh, I think we are out there. We're just a, a rare species for the moment. <laughs> but there is plenty of people doing that. It's just that we we have to fight against the constant, you know, hashtag fitness. Insta, Insta <laughs> uh, yes. trend, but that, that takes uh, me then back to, to the education uh, aspect and the, the experiential learning, because I think if, if we had, let's see, and maybe I, I may be wrong, but if we had an educational system in which it is instilled or, 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 or from the, or from early education, we teach our kids that 
not necessarily taking the ECS path is the way to learning, then we've had more, much more people going through that process of, hey, let me stop here. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me cross-reference. Right. Yeah. I wish we could start people on that journey earlier. I mean, I have my own opinions on, on education. the public school curriculum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but I, I mean, all I'll say on that front is my, my son is in a gifted program and that is the highlight of his day because they honor curiosity and that, that is so valuable. I, I mean, I can't even tell you, and I'm not, I'm in Brevard. Um, it's a little bit different here, but I can't speak for Orange County, but I can say that that inquisitiveness and that curiosity and imagination, I think we kill it somewhere around third or fourth grade. And that, that sucks mm-hmm. because you know, you turn into an adult that it, you lose the skill of imagination and it's, it's really, really hard to get back. And that in and of itself, I think is half the problem with American innovation is being where it is right now. I mean, we don't have, we don't honor those skills of thinking outside the box yeah. as much as I think we could, you know? I mean, there, there, there are many things I, I believe in and, and I mean, I don't want to get into the political thing, but also the, the, the development of policy, um, for example, one of my arguments uh, against education is a lot of, uh, uh, I would say, how to put it, uh, good intentions with bad ideas, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, we want our kids to be, uh, you know, treated the same way. Um, so, for example, if, you're, if your kid is competing against my kid and my, let's say my daughter wins the race, then your, your kid will have a participation ribbon. Um, so he feels valued, but yeah. we're not teaching that. What we're doing is taking away the opportunity for your kids to understand the value of one, you know, participating in, in competing in a, in a healthy way and also learning from that experience. Right. Uh, maybe yeah. instead of giving him a, a ribbon, we would, we could ask him like, Hey, what, what it is, what is it that you could have done to win the race and get him oh, thinking sure. about that. Um, I was, uh, I take my daughter to karate school and there were last week, there were like three moms uh, talking about that. One of them was like extremely angry because her daughter got an A and no one said anything. No one congratulated her. No one gave her any, not even a candy. And I'm thinking, (laughs) she already had the A. That's her prize. Right? (laughs) Getting an A is the result of you doing, you know, the, 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 the necessary work enough for you to 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 get that prize and you already got it what else do you want what message are you sending a child that way exactly kind of I'm like wow what else do you want you want someone to carry her you know in school and then uh, there another of the mom was came up and was she was also angry because there was the, in the field day uh only those who won had a prize well and isn't that the point it's not about winning or losing it's about if you if you did what it t- what it what it was necessary for you to win, then that's you get a prize, right? You get a recognition for that, and it doesn't mean that you're better. But then also, hey, let's teach then the other kids next time. Perhaps we practice a little more. Perhaps we learn about this a little more. Perhaps we find different ways, and and also understanding that we're not always here to win. That's a very thing. I, I think that is, I would say, implanted in this culture is that. We're out there to win, period. 
You know, you would really like my business partner. She just posted an article on LinkedIn. She's a sports psychologist. And uh, her name is Dr. Jenny Susser. And she is, she works with a lot of Olympic athletes, professional athletes. Well, I have two businesses. This is the next, this is the other business. You have like three businesses according to your. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, kind of. (laughs) So (laughs) this one is called grasshopper training, but, but anyway, she, she posted an article the other day and I think, you know, the article title is to the extent of what's so wrong with mediocre. And she really dives into the psychology of the pressure of constantly needing to be number one and seeking perfection. And her experience as a, a, a competitive swimmer, she, she almost made it to the Olympic trials. She missed it by fractions of a second. Oh. And, you know, when you get to that level, um, perfection's all you seek. And, you know, anyway, so it made me start to think about when I look back at my most formative moments professionally or personally, it's the failures I remember. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where character is, is developed and grit and resilience and integrity. They're, they're in the moments that you fail. And exactly. luckily, I don't know how old you are. I'm 36. I grew up in the eighties and Me too. that was the time of failure. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Nobody got a trophy for second place. And Um, I like that mentality a lot better. I like to, you know, last weekend, my sons, they play on the same soccer team, a travel soccer team, and they got their butt kicked five to zero. My son is the keeper Mm -hmm. and he's walking off the field with his head hanging and, you know, your heart hurts for them. But I said, listen, pick your head up. You did great. And let's talk later. And we talked through what could we do? It's okay that you're hurting. I acknowledge that. And you played well. What did you do well? What could you work on in practice this week? It's. It, I don't understand why we feel like we need to fix that defeat feeling mm. in our children. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that's my inclination is to go make him feel better. But I don't want to lie and say, oh, that team cheated or, you know, call out all the things that they did. The other team that were not professional. I don't want to go into that. Yeah, there's always a, create... a way to blame someone else for, for our failure. It's right. What it is is story. It's storytelling is what it is, and I think we all tell the story we want to hear. And like these women that you were referring to, she's telling the story she wants to hear. It's the school's fault. It's not my children for not preparing themselves for this field day. Um, and we we instill those stories in our children and it's so important that we don't, (laughs) you know, make sure that you're telling an authentic story, but to, in order to do that, you have to even know yourself and understand yourself as adults. So that's a whole other conversation, you know, is how little we know ourselves to tell an authentic story about our circumstance. Yeah. Um, I, um, well, I I think one of the, 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 the causes of that is the, uh, Helicopter parenting, parenting. You know, we we mm-hmm. are constantly there. And I have a um, I contacted a, a lady. She's the president of a, a nonprofit called Let Grow, and she also created mm-hmm. uh, wrote a book called Free Range Kids. And I I will be talking mm-hmm. to her next month. And she's the president of that Let Grow company. Anyways, they they work on educating 
parents and educating teachers on the importance of free play, of letting kids just playing out and figuring out life on their own to some, some extent, right? Um, and then they also work in, in pushing to, to create policy that, uh, and laws that allow the parents to do that. Because one of the things that's happening is that there is laws now in which, for example, you let your kids play out uh, you know, outside of your, in a patio and someone sees them alone, they, someone yeah. else can call the cops on you. Yeah. Right. But when I grew but up, this is crazy. when I grew up, I remember I would hop on my bike and I would say I, I would just disappear and then come back. And even yeah. even if I didn't want to go out, my dad has a, is a very outdoors person. He grew up like in the in the mountains in Puerto Rico and whatnot. He, he likes outdoors and he was always telling us, OK, you come from school, you do your homework and get the hell out of here. I don't want to see you uh, until nightfall. Or yeah, yeah. if you're like bleeding or something, you had a fight, you, come to me. you fought with one of your friends, don't come here. You fail and you scratch a little bit, don't come here, just keep playing. Um, I love it. And I think we want, just it's just like you said, you know, we want uh, our kids to always win and to always feel safe, but that that is also a trap to, you know, to ourselves and, and to them. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're stifling their potential for being developing really good character qualities. I mean, I, I think that that's part of the reason our children struggle with resilience and grit and fighting through is we're there all the time mm -hmm. to pick them up, you know? And I think that there's something to be said about letting them fall and letting them fail and letting, you know, them have a tough day without making excuses or bailing them out every time their teacher says, sends a note home and, mm -hmm. You know, I could go on and on with that, you know, but, you know, I also think part of that is the, there's a lot more pressure on the teachers. I mean, it's a smaller element to it, but I think there is a lot of pressure on the teachers because there's a lot of risk for getting in trouble, lawsuits and all that. So they have to keep a tighter, you know, lens on the kids as well, which stinks. Yeah. You know? no, it's not easy. I mean, I was a teacher and, and I had at least when I started, when I was a teacher, it was the, the early 2000s and, and we we still had that uh, uh, liberty of being, you know, uh, an honest teacher and not being too protective of, of, of specific kids. And, you know, I could I could react a little more harsher, I would say. I had a case, for example, not not violently. Um, I gave a, um, a last uh, homework for, you know, for the end of a year in which my students had to find, you know, whatever uh, sporting activity they liked and they had to uh, uh, write, you know, in a paragraph or two, the history of it and, you know, it's influential people. And then another paragraph explaining how would you play that with your friends in a way that is not the regular way of playing that sport. And, you know, it's a little challenging, but anyways, this student who was, as he was, came out to be the, the a nephew for the mayor, of the mayor of a town, the kid literally went to yahoo.com, printed volleyball, which was his, his sport. He literally printed, learn I'm not lying, he printed the www.whateverbolleyball.com, the if you remember Yahoo, you know, you had like advertisements and everything. All the banners were there. And he handed that to me. So I broke the paper and, and I didn't give him any grades. 
<laughs> I was like, because it's not fair, right? When when other students, because as soon as other students saw that, they were like, okay, but I, I spent the night reading and writing. Yeah, yeah. And this guy can just do that. And it came out that uh, later on, he was one of the favorites of the school. And well, him being the, the, the nephew of the mayor, and he had some sort of, you know, higher social status and, and preference. Um, but I didn't care about that because I was like, that's one thing that I told to his parents when they came out, you know, screaming at me. Um, I said, this is not fair. Every, uh, all of us, 90, you know, the majority of these kids spent the night reading, doing their, and writing and doing the research and, and all that. And it was a very simple job. I didn't want a specific reference. I didn't even ask for references. Just write it on your own, you know? And yeah. it wouldn't be fair for me to give him an A just because he's the nephew of a mayor. Um, and it was, we, it was a, a, a tough uh, moment, but uh, in the end, uh, the the director and... I was, that was my practice for, for, uh, from university and my, my uh, supervising uh, professor, you know, went on my side and were like, okay, it's true. It's not fair. Um, however, I was advised by the director of the, of the school that, well, because he, he was who he was and his connections and family, then I should be careful next time. And I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> so we're, and we're seeing those things, right? For example, kids cannot get an F. I were I had parents screaming at me oh, because their yeah. kids had an F, but their kids never study. They, their kids never come to public school in Puerto Rico. is, is very crazy because, um, for example, here if my daughter does not go to school, we get a call or we get a message, an email or something, some sort right. of, of, of confirmation. But there, no. And if you have there a let's say a, an off period, you can just get the hell out of the school and disappear. Um, which it could be, we could be argued that it has some advantages and, and some not in the sense that you could be <laughs> free to, again, maybe experience a little more of, more of the world and, and create character and leadership and whatnot. But I mean, parents whose kids never went to my, my class, well, they get an F. Why would you come out and scream at me because of that? Yeah. Um, Why would you even think that you could have the authority to come out and scream at you for that? Yeah. So, and, and, but again, I mean, I, I think if we educated our kids from those very first years of, of, you know, not necessarily school, but education in general, even at home, uh, in the aspects of, of you have to be responsible for your things, you have to be, uh, uh, you know, you have to work for what you get. You don't just mm -hmm. get a, a trophy just for breathing or, or virtue of existence because you are, I don't know, daughter of, of your dad uh, it would uh, society would have been a lot better I've had uh, the opportunity to talk to a German uh, kid my, my stepson goes to a military academy mm. and uh, uh, he had an exchange with a German student so for, for a month a German student came and stayed here home and then my stepson went there and stayed there for a month and you could see clearly the difference in the education it's not i'm not pro-german i've never been to germany but you could see the differences in, in the type of education that these kids get there is more much more formal much more uh, mature i would say in the sense that they're not pampering kids you get an f you get an f and you deserve it because you didn't do what what it was necessary what was necessary uh, yeah and as a result I mean, he, he was explaining how it works. There were, he was a 12th grader. 
um, as a result, you get you, I could have a conversation with a 12th grader and just like we are talking right now at this level of, of eloquence. Um, and it was surprising. It was I think a lot of that too has to do with the countries or the cultural uh, importance that a certain country will place on teachers. I mean, if you look in Japan, for example, teachers are revered like family, you know, and I think that teachers here are not given that respect and that children are going to pick up on that. And the expectation also, of course, we've got parents who expect that their kids should pass no matter what. So, I mean, I think the combination of those two things is, well, I mean, even look at the way they treat teachers here. I mean, we don't take care of our teachers at all. And we wonder why the attrition rate is so high and the burnout rate is so high. I mean, I think if we placed a little bit more emphasis on the importance of education, things would change, you know, I think children would respect and honor their grades a little bit better. And, you know, this is a whole, that conversation is so important to me. I mean, back in 2014, uh, Osceola County Public Schools contacted me and asked me to create a course for teachers specifically designed for teachers and administrators on health and well-being the things that I was teaching in the corporate world okay because their burnout rate and attrition rate was so high their healthcare expenditure was so high it was actually Cigna their insurance carrier and Osceola County Public Schools that professional development that contacted me and we created a course called teach well and I still have it to this day I still deliver it here and there and it breaks my heart to see the first of all the lack of training that they got in managing the stressors of being a teacher which are so incredibly intense mm -hmm. and then you know also just the lack of resources and support that they're being provided um i don't know you know it's been that was a was a fun experience but also heartbreaking and i still to this day i wish that there was greater emphasis on helping teachers become more resilient because the way that things are going, parents are not making it any easier. I don't think for teachers to do their job well no, and to stay engaged and to stay in love with the teaching process. And um, that's one of the reasons I think I could never, ever be in the education system is because I don't think that they're, they're supported. No, not at all. And teachers aren't helping, you know, I'm uh, sorry, parents aren't helping with that situation. Yeah. What is it, what is it that you specifically do at teach well? So in teach well, it's a 12 week. Well, it's a, it's, it's a mixed method. So the, the original course was a 12 week online course, 12 modules, self-paced. And what we do is we help teachers understand the, the intricacy and the interconnectedness of body, mind, heart, and soul, and how our physical, mental, emotional, and even spiritual um, aspects of our life are deeply interrelated. So, mm -hmm. so helping them understand that the way we move our bodies, the way that we fuel our bodies, the way that we sleep and the way we manage our rest and recovery, all of those things have a huge impact on our ability to perform the way that we manage our mindset and our focus and the way that we manage our storytelling, like I was mentioning before and how much we align and connect with our purpose in life and how much of our behaviors in alignment with our purpose, our everyday behaviors and all of that mixed together. Um, 
how does it all impact our ability to stay engaged and perform at our best at our job, but not just our job. We want to make sure that we're coming home with as much energy to our loved ones and our family as we had in the beginning of the day when we left and not leave it all at school. And so it was a bunch of different stuff. A lot of exercises. I delivered it live. Uh, We did it online. I did it in a series of, you know, three or four chunks um, face-to-face with people. Ultimately, they lost the funding, so it fell flat. But I took the course and kind of revised it and renovated it. And I have delivered it here and there to a few other places. I deliver it at my school right now every year (laughs) with our teachers for free. I, I like that uh, me having, you know, studying education and having gone through that process of like uh, uh, psychology and learning psychology and whatnot, we're always told how to deal with the kids, right? With their, with their mm-hmm. issues and whatnot, but there was never a class of how me as a teacher. <laughs> I went yeah, stress. Exactly. yeah. How do you manage the stress? I mean, how do you, the stress is not going anywhere. So stress reduction classes, they're not going to help. But Mm -hmm. learning how to become more resilient and bounce back from stress. Now, that is a skill that can be taught, you know, learning the right mindset and learning, you know, to make sure you're eating often and to make sure you're you're prioritizing sleep as often as you can. And all of those things, I think, are teachable skills. And each teacher is kind of interested, you know, sort of triage and decide where they needed to start first and. And uh, I mean, we even went into emotional awareness, which I know is kind of a hot button right now in the education world mm-hmm. because of all these school shootings. But even teachers learning the skill of being aware of their own emotions so that they didn't control them. That is a huge issue and focus on in, in the Teach Well course, the skill of emotional awareness. How do you catch yourself in the moment being overwhelmed or really upset? And how do you teach that skill then to your your students who might not be able to learn that skill at home okay oh that's that's yeah. interesting i think that's very important um and again i mean it's it's crazy I've, now you took me back to university and I, I i never there was never a class from that we took even ethics and and, and things like that and there was no yeah nothing helping nope, me you don't get it. It. and you know every school for example in the schools that i worked in puerto rico were very very dangerous uh, schools that were like in, in, in neighbor in hoods or in ghettos and one of my schools, mm. for example each one of my students has some sort of weapon or some sort of drug and uh. no one taught me how to deal with that you know it's very <laughs> or then you all of a sudden had a, a, a in my case i had a, a, a few 13 year old 14 year old girls who were already pregnant how do you deal with that what do you say yeah and, and how do you how do you take care of yourself after you deal with it? You know, and the stress is what. In one occasion, I remember one of my students uh, who was I think fourteen, and he was, "Hey, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Bias, you have a couple of minutes to talk," which was surprising because, I, you know, you wouldn't expect that from from a kid that age at, at a public school, at least in Puerto Rico, in that type of school, and. We sat down and he started crying and he had just mm. learned that he did something out in the street and he he's heard that someone was you know looking for him to to shoot him. Mm, my gosh. And I was like, I mean, I felt for him, of course, but at the same time I, in my mind, I was like, how the heck do I deal with this? And then I took that home. And it, I mean, that day I didn't even sleep. 
Yeah, I bet. How do you deal with that? Thinking of how to help this little kid. Should I call the cops? Shouldn't I call the cops? Should I talk to the social worker? Should I should I, should I call his parents? Should I uh, get a gun myself to protect me? <laughs> you know, if, if something <laughs> happens, no one taught me that. Uh, and, yeah, and I think then you know the 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 the, the concept of teach well should be done more. <laughs> there should be more. It, it should. I agree. And, you know, we fought for the funding and we fought to, you know, and truthfully, I mean, I don't have enough bandwidth to really push the course the way that it should be pushed. Um, but, you know, we're, we're working on it. I'm trying to reach out to district level uh, people in different districts and, and ask that we can be provided some sort of funding to continue this. Because, I mean, even from an economical perspective, standpoint we're losing teachers so fast mm -hmm. and the hiring process and the, you know just the insurance and everything i mean we're spending so much money on this turnover rate yeah. and so even if from yeah. an economical perspective it makes more sense to take care of the teachers we have rather than continue and then there's the other you know the other part of that is if it takes if the if the adage is true that it takes ten thousand hours to become an expert well, then we're systematically losing teachers because they're quitting so fast that they're getting younger and younger. And yeah. we really don't have a lot of expert teachers, you know, left in, in Florida, at least. Uh -huh. so, well, that, that's something that's happening. I've been researching for uh, at least in the aspect of physical education and, and how it's been going in the in the whole nation. And it's happening everywhere. Um, it's, yeah, crazy. Sad. it's crazy. Real quick, before, before we cut, what is your... Uh, I've been wanting to ask this uh, because you were, you also work in the motivation uh, uh, world, right? Motivating uh, mm -hmm. corporate and teachers and things like that. Yeah. What's your take on it? I have a, I have a, and, and perhaps let's let's go with this. I um, I have an issue with motivation. I I have an issue in the sense that many people think that motivation is something that you find somewhere else, and for me, it is something very intrinsic, right? It comes from you, but there is this yeah. hype now that. I mean, I've, I've met people who go to motivational speeches every single weekend, never finding motivation. What is your take? Hmm. Well, I mean, if we're talking about motivation over willpower, uh, personally, my take is that motivation is found when you're rooted in a strong sense of why. And so if I have somebody that has a goal, I have them ask, I ask them, why? Why do you want to complete that goal? And they answer that question, and then I make them repeat it four more times. Ask the same question, why, 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 and whittle them down until they really get to the crux of the deeper sense of purpose and meaning. And there's so much research on purpose-driven behavior and how much more you can accomplish a goal. So for me, um, motivation is intrinsically driven but i know that there are external factors that you know drive motivation i certainly think that having a good accountability partner or trusted friend will continue holding you accountable and keeping you motivated but i do think that for most goals rooting yourself in a sense of purpose is okay. is going to get you there faster i think that's yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm more in that line too uh, I'm, I'm more in the side of first me trying to uh, exhaust as many uh, uh, things that I individually can do and learn before finding someone to help me or push me a little bit. 
Um, mm -hmm. But it's uh, every time I read an article or every time I go to, I've been going to networking events in Orlando and whatnot, and it's crazy. And I had an experience with one of those in which there was a, a motivational speaker and this person literally was an, an, an part of my French, but she was just talking total nonsense bullshit. Um, and it was so scripted, so like literally everybody noticed how scripted that that the high she had, <laughs> the smile and the jumping around and this and that. And I was like, this is and, and, and my mentality using that experience as part of the research for my book and, and this podcast was like, this is detrimental to people's actual motivation. Um, because yeah, yeah, maybe sure. at that moment there were mostly health and fitness professionals and coaches at the moment. But if you like that, speak to someone who doesn't have the proper, uh, the, the formal education and the fundamentals of things. I mean, you're just going to derail that person from reality so far. For sure. And I think also part of that is, I guess I'm looking at motivation in terms of helping people on individual goals. But if I'm standing in front of a group of people, I did, we just had this talk the other day, my business partner and I, you win people, you motivate people to, to change when you connect with their story, not your own, you know, and although my own story is a good access point to make people start to feel emotional, like I'm referring to standing in front of a big group of people, um, finding out their story and having them connect with their own story, I think drives motivation. So that's, I guess what I mean more by the purpose driven behavior too, is, you know, um, is accessing, um, accessing and connecting with them on their level. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, getting uh, be more sympathetic. Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, I have, a, well, I mean, I, I wish we had more time. Perhaps we can talk uh, again later on. Um, but I have, I have an issue with the, with the, when it comes to the business side, you know, they're always telling you, you have to be empathetic, but empathy is always, I think it's, it's biased, right? You, because when you're empathetic, you're, you're much more, you're empathetic towards that person that you like the most, right? Or that, that person you feel like needs the most. Um, mm -hmm. and that sort of like blocks you from being open-minded enough to be more sympathetic and connecting with everyone else. Because you'll be sort of judging, right? Maybe this client doesn't need that much help from me. Let me just focus more on this other client. Uh, individually, mm. or group or, or corporate, for example. Um, so I'm, I'm, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I've, I've, been, I've been thinking about that lately. Um, but anyways, I know you have a, a, a call to do. Dr. Lauren Hodges, thank you for Hodges, right? That's how you pronounce your... your... Hodges, yeah. Hodges, okay. <laughs> Um, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to have a chat with me in this podcast and hopefully then maybe later on, we can just talk again about other topics. I had a few questions for you and that would see, as I said, we didn't even make it to, to halfway of the questions that I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd love to chat again, you know, anytime. Yeah. Uh, so again, have a great day. Thank you for, for this opportunity and we'll stay in contact and have an awesome day. Yeah, absolutely, Juan. Take care. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one. I will, uh, when I publish, I will send you a link of the podcast so you can share it with your, with your people too. Okay, wonderful. I'll do so. All right. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Bye, Juan.